welcome to a new episode of Mediterranean Sustainability Partners. I'm your host, Ellen Wasselina. In this episode, we'll be discussing privatization of universities in Africa, and I'm so pleased to be joined by two experts, Dr. Abbas Sibihi and Leonie Schoelen, and I'd like to read their biographies. Dr. Abbas Sibihi has more than 20 years of project management experience on four continents. In the technology sector, he has been working in as an IT expert for several companies, including Bosch, Volkswagen, Cuve Nord, ABB, and IBM Global Service. During the past 11 years, he has served the German Federal Enterprise for International Cooperation Development, the GIZ, contributing to a number of projects, essentially in international higher education, technical vocational training, and digital learning, where he has been working as a team leader and other senior roles in cooperation with key stakeholders from Africa, Southeast Asia, Middle East, and Europe, such as AU slash HRST, European Union, UNESCO, UNIVOC, ASEAN, ILO, OECD, SEAMEAO, BNZ, BMBF, ADP, and more, including policymakers, coalition partners, and researchers to identify policy opportunities and advance regional sustainable development goals. Leonie Schoelen, PhD in Sociology and Education Sciences since December 2020, wrote her doctoral thesis on facing the global ambivalent coping strategies in the Algerian academic field. After her bachelor's and her master's in politics and society, international relations and peace and conflict studies in Germany, Ireland, and Scotland, she started working as a consultant for GIZ, German International Cooperation in India and Bina in the field of social aspects and community engagement of renewable energy supply, respectively, rural electrification. I do hope you will enjoy this episode. Welcome to a new episode of Mediterranean Sustainability Partners. I'm your host, Ellen Wasselina. I'm so pleased to be joined today by Leonie Schoelen and Dr. Abbas Sibihi. Welcome. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you. Thank you. And Leonie, I have to say, you're coming to us from South Africa. Right. I'm in Cape Town now. So, so lovely to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. Um, so today uh, we're going to talk about uh, higher education in Africa. And I'm going to be referring to an article that you wrote and contributed uh, in a conference in August of 2018. And here's the title, it's quite a mouthful. Exploring a regional meta approach to harmonize quality assurance and accreditation for enhancing the effectiveness of public-private 
higher education institution initiatives in Africa. Now, what I've done is uh, to prepare for this podcast um, is to, I'm going to read some uh, excerpts, direct excerpts from your excellent paper, uh, just to set the stage for, for our audience today. On the continent level, both the African Union in its harmonization strategy and the African Association of Universities, AAU, supported by UNESCO and the World Bank, have been aiming at developing a quality assurance system, for which the launch of an African Quality Assurance Network in 2009 marked an important milestone. In 2014, a reviewed version of the 1981 Arusha Convention was then signed by more than a third of the 41 participating African countries. Um, and this is an important step, uh, which was preceded by the Regional Conference on Higher Education in 2008 as a preparatory step for the 2009 UNESCO World Conference on Higher Education based on a recent appeal for a more diversification in African higher education systems, more adaptation to private sector specific skills and better cost intensive technical facilities from an economic perspective, it has been suggested that private education providers may fill this void, leaving the government with duties of quality control and oversight. And I know you are both very qualified in this region. How, what can you tell us what's going on in the field and what's been going on maybe since this paper was written? Thank you, Ellen. Um, basically, as you, say, as you just said, it's a very important topic. We're talking about three things in, in, in one, you have harmonization, quality assurance, and, 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 and privatization of higher education in Africa. Very, very important. Talking about harmonization alone, uh, initiative have been started for almost three decades, um, harmonizing regions, um, even countries. So the example of United States, Europe, we have the initiative of Bologna process, which take a long time different culture, different language, different approach and uh, um, uh, and different uh, system of educations. And then that, that, that was that was that was basically um, uh, a, a big challenge or a Herculus sure. task that it has been done there. Um, now going back to Africa and what's going on on higher education, it's basically it looks for us very easy since um, we had um, uh, we had uh, an issue with the colonial time, but uh, in this issue, sometimes uh, you have um, uh, you have somehow whatever we call it benefits, which is of the language. Language is one of a, a big issue when it comes to harmonization. And in Africa, we have two predominant um, uh, language, which is French and English, and this may facilitate it and ease these harmonizations. Comparing now to Europe, if we're talking uh, uh, about uh, Europe's, but we'll see. Uh, during this broadcast with uh, with Leonie, she she has a, a huge expertise looking really at the micro things. We'll be exploring um, exploring all those kind of um, of components, harmonization, quality insurance, and and so on. One thing that I should say here. We had we have been invited to submit uh, a paper for a conference, and when we worked for this uh, article, we are not doing uh, a neat analysis or mapping 
about the situation of higher education, harmonization, privatization in Africa. But we're following certain keywords and certain uh, indication for the for for the conference. For this reason, we will be we were somehow we didn't have a huge room to write about everything. We were very concise. It's quite it's quite dense. Leonie, let's hear from you now. You're the big specialist on this paper, and uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say on the subject, please. Thank you, Alan, and thank you, Alex. First of all, I would like to point out that uh, we have another colleague who collaborated with us on, on that um, particular article, who is uh, Bahar Fensali thank you. in uh, Oran, Algeria. And um, we look forward to also um, working with him in the French tradition, which uh, we are also planning to broadcast. So um, just brief background to um, this particular paper, it's actually accessible on ResearchGate. Perhaps once we will be sharing the link um, with the podcast. Excellent. Excellent. We can share it, absolutely. Yeah. Anyone who's interested in, in the details and the references can, can have a look. And um, we um, wrote this article, as Abbas mentioned, in response to um, the 15th edition of the African um, Private Higher Education Conference, which has been um, going on since the, well, the early millennial years um, in Addis Abeba, Ethiopia, hosted by St. Mary's University. And what is um, interesting about this series of conferences is always um, brings together the perspective of private universities in Africa and in the broader uh, context of African higher education, including stakeholders from um, elsewhere. So why is it important to look at quality assurance in and have uh, private higher education institutions in mind? So um, in an African context, there has been a recent um, expansion of institutions. Most um, African higher education systems were built on colonial institutions around one single kind of annex of the respective uh, yeah, French, Portuguese, um, or English system, which was then implanted in the capital, mainly for the training of the Settlers. So, um, at the times of independence of African countries, and mostly in the uh, early 60s and late um, 50s, but also even um, beyond, such as uh, Mozambique, only in as 75, um, the country was basically the country's higher education system was made up of only one single entity. So now. Um, fortunately, that has changed, and African countries have actual systems with many institutions. And there has been the recent trend of private higher education institutions that obviously depends on the country's context. Um, but you do see them across the continent for various reasons, such as um, a certain yeah global trend of massification of higher education enrollment related to access so the public institutions are not able to um, deal with the intake uh, anymore and with the demand for higher education which has 
unfortunately at least absurd uh, in the past decade. Um, but also issues of quality in, in public uh, institutions, which are sometimes then only addressed in private higher education institutions. And of course, there are various models of them, such as um, faith-based institutions, most are free-paying, but not all. And um, they often have um, different means to deal with um, such issues such as quality assurance and more so in a continental perspective or in a global perspective with regards to harmonization. Can we say that, as is, I'm just you know reading from your article, that private universities clearly outnumber or equal public institutions? Is that true today? Well, basically, you have a race of uh, of private universities, and mostly um, uh, in um, uh, English-speaking regions than 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 the, 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 the French-speaking region. Uh, and we know that we know that from from even we we talk about colonialism and post-colonialism. Um, uh, education in France and some uh, uh, European countries, a value is not a business, while you have it um, for some uh, Anglo and English uh, uh, countries, states, Australia, Canada and mm -hmm. UK, but more business oriented. Um, and, and, and we see uh, the potential of this race more in, uh, in, 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 in the English speaking, but it's coming, it's coming, uh, it's coming even at really conservative uh, uh, high education system such as in Algeria uh, opening up uh, opening up uh, because Algeria for instance consider education as a part of identity as social identity um, and uh, they are opening they are opening up by giving you now a, a numbers um, uh, there is few uh, 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 there is few um, basically is raising you have a uh, uh, a raise of whatever five to to ten percent per, uh, per per year, um, but still still uh, uh, still not um, uh, not uh, important as it's supposed to be. Okay, um, if I could just read the next sentence, maybe that sort of gives us a segue to what you just said, Abbas. So, 22 engineering programs provided in some African higher education institutes are credited by the American Accreditation Board of Engineer and Technology A. BET, a non-governmental accrediting agency for programs in applied science, computing, engineering, and in engineering technology. To date, ABET has accredited over 3,700 programs at more than 750 colleges and universities in 30 countries worldwide. Would you would you like to comment on that? How about the accreditation system, maybe, Deoni uh, or, or Abbas? Well, I mean, I mean here just just very short. Um, when we're talking about the accreditation of whatever board, there is a few boards that they are doing accreditation. We're not talking about privatization right now. Even public university can also uh, accreditate their programs, and they are going through uh, through the board in the US and in UK and even in Ireland and doing uh, and doing uh, those specific programs, so that those students who basically are graduated could further uh, 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 do their studies uh, abroad. It's mostly in this in this um, uh, in this uh, way. Then really looking at privatizations of of, uh, uh, of higher education or private universities. Yeah, um, let me add to that. So basically, this example um, you're referencing to is mostly 
applicable uh, in North African countries. I see. Be that specific board um, much in sub-Saharan Africa for various reasons, and it's only one out of many. But in general, we can say that the accreditation boards so far in the global academic sphere are either European-based or North American-based, and um, that obviously leads us to um, the topic that we are raising. Um, and we're still working on, which is um, the lack of an African agency um, of quality assurance and the harmony as part of the, the harmonization efforts which, which are existing. Um, because as we know, um, the issue such as with the Polonia process, that is also used as a, uh, now as a model, but uh, it cannot be transferred to African context. So the same issue arises here with um, those uh, various boards, um, which are in the so-called global north face. Okay. Let me let me add one thing, Ellen uh, and Leonie. Thank you so much. And, uh, I mean. Uh, um, we basically, we have also to see, uh, as I just said, about the business. Uh, European, in their culture, when it comes to um, uh, cooperation or uh, uh, development and cooperations, when they basically trying to support whatever programs and, and so on in Africa, they are going more holistic. So um, it's not very specific, it's not uh, whatever business-based. So basically, we're going to policy, we're looking at infrastructure, we're looking uh, at, um, at several uh, aspects and indicators. While the Americans here, and this is, those programs are existing, and it they may came from basically also the support that this has been provided. I mean, um, where the North African University, whatever there is also few, um, for instance, in the past uh, two years, few universities, in, even in the Sub-Sahara, that join also the, the American Accreditation Board for Engineering as well. Mm. And this, you have to pay for it, uh, basically, if you want to do it. And it's, um, it's too much it's too much money. But why is, what? that is the strategy of the, the American Board, is waiting the, uh, the American ad and waiting certain foundations and so on. They are proposing this um, as a pilot with a target in the future to uh, 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 to put it as a commercialization uh, or as a, a business case. Um, um, this is this, just to give you the rationale why um, why we interesting. went on that. Yeah, that, that's very interesting, Leonie. Recently, um, now there have been initiatives which are African uh, bred <laughs> and based, um, not necessarily in contrast to those which are existing, but um, more to complement. So um, there are various initiatives. Um, first of all, those from the regional associations, this is ECOVAS or CDAO of mm -hmm. West Africa, SADC for the Southern African region, and the AARU, which is the um, Arab Association of um, Universities. So those regional initiatives have um, put together a quality assurance consortia um, and then about five years ago there was the launch of the consortium um, the so-called HACA which is um, consortium harmonization of African higher education quality assurance and accreditation 
I, I would really love to have uh, Dr. Bastali back that uh, because he's heavily involved on, <laughs> on that and he have he have worked a lot on that. So we'll, well, we'll be have having, have him having in French. We will yeah. have we will have him to the, oh, the next day in French. Person. So we'll be that yes, would be uh, yeah. Uh, let's because, remind our audience that we're doing this same podcast in French. I believe it towards the end of July. So. Um, I, I think we've covered the subject at least as much as we can the short time that we have today. Thank you so much, uh, Abbas and, and Leone, uh, for talking to me on this first subject of quality in uh, Africa higher education. Thank you. Most welcome. back in segment two with Dr. Abbas Sibihi and Leonie Schollen. Thank you so much for joining me again. Most welcome, Elm. Thank you. Thank you for being Pleasure. here. I appreciate, appreciate your time uh, for joining me today with this segment. So um, now we're going to talk about harmonization. And um, let me just share my screen with you. Uh, we have several uh, important quotes that I'm be reading directly from the paper. Uh, so this in the second segment, we're going to talk about harmonization of academic programs. Tuning projects, and I'm learning, of course, as I read this, tuning projects involve large-scale partnerships of higher education institutions, varying from 30 to 120 per project. Tuning Middle East and North Africa, is a Tempest project with the objective to build a framework of comparable, compatible, and transparent programs with studies in the following five subject areas. Law and good governance, including human rights, healthcare and nursing, construction trades, engineering and architecture, and then tourism. Tuning methodology, and I'm sure you're gonna tell me a lot more about this, for the development of degree programs in partner universities and the evolution of the following areas, curricula design and delivery, employability of graduates, recognition of the degree programs, quality of higher education and staff training. So this consortium, of course, was composed of 33 universities, eight European, 11 universities from the Maghreb region and 14 from the Middle East. And again, I'm quoting directly from your paper. So. Um, th this is very interesting. Now, can I ask you a question to start off with? Is, are, are these areas key areas that have been decided to be developed? And how, how can you explain this uh, harmonization uh, uh, action, please? I mean, in, in the beginning, I, uh, I start harmonization is, um, this is the, this is the, um, what we, we call the, the door to, to, to start um, um, uh, uh, a lot of um, a lot of things when it's related to uh, policies and and institutional development in higher education in uh, in Africa. I you really you picked from the the article uh, the, the 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 very interesting. You you really choose the the ones and those ones are from my friend Baghdad, where basically <laughs> have even been involved there. And, Excellent. I mean, I we can give you. Uh, I mean, in a French session. Uh, we'll be very happy uh, to have him with us and, and he will be giving uh, 
uh, uh, keywords yeah. and so on. But nevertheless, I guess we could we could um, uh, we could for, uh, we could add on uh, on the tuning Please. or tuning Africa and high uh, high educations mm-hmm. um, um, in the term of in the term of several um, several program that uh, that happened uh, uh, in between. Um, I guess Leonie, you had like you had like uh, further studies on uh, on that. I, I I will I will I will hand the, the word for you. I feel more, you, you are more expert on that than, than I <laughs> Thank you, Abbas. So, um, well, the, the tuning in particular is quite a large scale. So that's something which is, um, yeah, which makes it rather well known. And also the fact that it really integrates various uh, Mediterranean countries. I so see. from both, both sides of the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, those specific sectors, they have been defined in, um, yeah, multilateral government consultations according to the priority areas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we see there's some more engineering related, but also law and good governance. And has have, have these subjects evolved over time? Are they still the same today? This paper was written a few years ago, but do you see them evolving or are these still the key sectors to be developed in higher education? I mean, we're talking about 2018, and and we were reviewing a document 2017, and you know, from 2019, we had the COVID, and everyone was uh, looking more on digitalization and so on. I didn't, to be honest, I before starting with Boscas, I started to do my mapping and see what are the initiatives that happen in between in terms of harmonization, accreditation, sure. and so on. Um, unfortunately, a lot of thing has been postponed. Um, there is few. I I can. There is a few, uh, a few micro or whatever uh, small scales project that's still running, uh, mm-hmm. uh, such uh, as uh, the Pan African University and uh, and other uh, tuning Africa and so on. But I have the feeling since the three, uh, three, uh, the last three years, um, the target changed uh, a little bit. I don't know if Leoni, you you had uh, reviewed or read something on. On those, uh, on extending the areas uh, of uh, tuning, uh, tuning higher education is, is there? Um, are there new things in between? So basically, that's also um, huh? our colleague Bachrat, who is uh, the expert on those specific areas. Um, surely there would have been a review in the meantime because um, that that program has been running now for a number of years, more than a decade, and um, regularly, obviously, there are assessments. updates. Yeah, term reviews. But as as Abe said, now I guess the focus would really be more towards um, digitization and also other pressing issues globally, such as and healthcare. Probably, I mean, I've seen and climate change exactly. I've seen many many companies that never talked about health, for example, or healthcare. You know, now we have to get so much involved in healthcare and climate change. Thank you very much. You know, that t- climate change came up as uh, the World Economics forum for the first time and the major risks in 2014. 2014. So people are now finally realizing that there's some other issues that need to be addressed. And I'm sure it's one of them, uh, as especially as we go into, you know, this new post-COVID, hopefully post-COVID era. Um, what, what else can you tell me about uh, maybe assurance and accreditation with this harmonization here, I noticed that you mentioned the Pan American, Pan African, I'm sorry, Pan African University. Uh, what can, I know both of you uh, have had had many projects, and and in fact that's how we met uh, so many years ago. You could tell us just a little bit about that. 
But, but let me add something uh, um, uh, of what you just said uh, regarding uh, COVID and things change and so on. Unfortunately, we have an issue of resources in, in Africa and, and, and development agencies and European unions and uh, 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 let's see, um, uh, developed countries, they are, they are the one financing and moving that and, and changing the agenda. Sometimes, you know, you're investing a lot to, um, uh, to construct certain certain uh, certain sectors um, and higher education in the past 10 years was a, a more emphasis and so on but the agenda just changed uh, uh, and, and now is more on health and, 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 and COVID uh, and digitalization and this is this is why where here Africa need uh, this uh, self-reflection and look at their own resources and put higher education in a high priority in order really to uh, uh, to harmonize, in order to get a better quality and so on, and not to wait. Um, this is something, uh, there is quite a lot of initiative, national initiative and continental initiatives, but they are not uh, on that big scale as, uh, as uh, the ones that they are uh, financed uh, from outside the continent. I see. Leonie? Yeah, um, so basically, um, regarding the Pan-African University, so that's um, an African Union-led um, program, which as you pointed out, Abbas and I have been involved since um, its inception yeah. now seven years ago um, in Algeria, in Clemson, where one of the institutes is located. So um, this initiative has the objective of training, um, providing postgraduate training to African students across Africa with its different thematic institutes and it has also key thematic partners such as uh, Germany in the case of the Institute of Water and Energy Sciences. Um, and um, this very much contributes to both the, well, the, the quality, quality assurance and um, development and implementation in the African continent to find African solutions for African problems and also very much to um, foster entrepreneurship that's very good to address uh, graduate yeah employability or unemployment as is um, a very pressing issue in many African countries these days and um, the first uh, graduates have uh, successfully <laughs> found uh, employment in various uh, sectors um, so it has been overall um, a very, um, yeah, very successful initiative uh, so far, um, considering also the complexity of the stakeholders. And um, I, I was going to ask you, what were some difficulties maybe that you ran across in, in working? Both of you worked in these programs um, at Pan African University. Maybe you can talk a little bit to us about those the difficulties that you encountered. Well, uh, I mean, uh, I call them challenges, uh, rather challenges, than difficulties. difficulties. <laughs> but let me one thing what I loved at the Pan-African, and this is why I, I really uh, I enjoy to work, is the philosophy and the vision of that. So we wanted to have students from the fifth region of the continent sitting uh, uh, in the same desk, thinking how to resolve the problems, 
all together. Swift region being center, just for explanation. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, uh, and center. So not to forget the center, was, uh, which where the, the directorate was there until 2017. Uh, and and this, is, this is the way we want as an African to sit together to understand and analyze the, pro, uh, the, the problem in order to find solution. Because in the past it was people were having uh, a good background, good education, but when they sit together talking about harmonization or whatever system or finding a, a common solution in a continent, the, the approach was quite different. And this is what I uh, basically loved uh, at the philosophy. This is what the Pan-African uh, university is doing with the graduates uh, um, and creating and creating networking and the common understanding and investing for for uh, uh, new um, uh, new leaders in in future to lead the continent in the change with a common understanding. Challenges was <laughs> was a, a lot of challenges. This is a project. It was a huge project. Yes. Um, um, I guess I, I was. I was there for almost two years. I had like always some exchange. Leonie, she's still there. Uh, I guess she can, she, can, <laughs> she can even provide more update uh, 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 about uh, about this uh, uh, amazing project, basically. Good, thank you, Abbas. Leonie. Yeah, um, so as I said, um, I think the achievements have been very promising. Good. Um, now we are kind of at the, the crossroads regarding the next stage, which among others is getting international accreditation um, and um, yeah, inserting the institution not only within the continent, but even uh, globally as a player in uh, research and academia. And surely one, one of the yeah, challenges to be tackled urgently is um, the availability of um, long-term staff and faculty. So what, what's been your obstacle to retaining staff uh, and faculty there? Um, basically, um, there's still the flying faculty model. Um, so that means... Fly in, um, fly out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, academic staff from all, all over the world. I mean, this is, of course, also an advantage. It's not limited even to the African continent. Um, but um, yeah, they, they they teach um, now. Well, everything has moved online with um, right. the pandemic. And and yeah, I wanted to just follow up briefly, both of you. How, how if I may just conclude this set this session this way, uh, which is on harmonization that we were talking about. How easy or hard has it been for you, or difficult to be working online? Both of you are still working in higher education, and then we'll close out this session. Just a final word, if I may, from both of you, Abbas. Well, I mean, uh, harmonization and virtual uh, virtual work or whatever you call it, um, it, it is easy. It is. It's difficult to not meet and sit with the people. Yeah. But now, uh, but now, I guess we have more opportunities. I mean, we can open. Uh, the knowledge is shared. Uh, 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 we are saving time on flying there and coming, Certainly. coming here and so on. It has a lot of advantage. Should well, it advantage? But yeah. there's yeah, there is a lot of advantage. And and we're talking about resources. I had some friends from the African Union seeing seeing that the African Union in the past two years saved a lot of money 
uh, 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 basically uh, of the flying staff uh, having their birdie sure. and so on. So it has advantage. Sure, there's uh, some the advantage, but we are work. We still working there. We are following, following, uh, following whatever researchers and so on. Unfortunately, um, uh, there is a stagnation, as I, I said, because the agenda and, and priorities are quite uh, different. Uh, but uh, I see and I'm very confident that the transformation on virtual conferences, virtual exhibition and so on is coming and coming very, it, it can very be well done. It can be done. And then, of course, your carbon footprint is less. Uh, Leone, please. Yeah, no, I think um, I have the same opinion. Well, in our case, I guess it's been easier since we had been working with our partners physically for for years. Yeah. Um, so that's why it has not really been difficult to continue online. It is, I guess, very difficult to establish new relationships um, purely online. Yeah. Um, but the advantage I see is especially regarding conferences. Now, um, most academic conferences take place in either Europe or North America, which makes it not only very expensive, but sometimes impossible for African researchers due to the visa restrictions. Um, I see to attend. So that's definitely regarding democratization of uh, global science and research that's an advantage. Yeah. Well, well, we'll end on that note for the second segment. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. back with Drs. Abbas Sabihi and Leonie Schirle, PhD, I might say, very recently. Welcome back. Thank you. All right. Pleasure. Th th thank you so much for joining me for this last segment on the privatization of higher education in Africa. We would like to uh, get some of your perspectives and conclusions on this very vast, as you could see in so little time, we, we cover some essential issues, but obviously we don't have time. That's why we're doing a French version uh, towards the end, end of the month and with another colleague of yours, I'm so pleased to be able to uh, speak with him as well. So, uh, uh, Leonie, maybe we'll start with you. Um, what do you see uh, in terms of we just finished up on digitalization, how our workplace has been transformed and how digitalization will transform education, uh, as both of you rather discussed in the last segment. Leonie, what, what do you see going forward? Yeah, um, for example, my, my own situation right now. So um, I'm yeah. in South Africa. I recently started my postdoc at the Cape Peninsula University of Technology in uh, Cape Town. Mm -hmm. um, but I did start actually from Germany. So, um, wow. so you were online <laughs> the first, already? Yeah, the first couple of months I worked 100% online and I actually continue for the most part here as well. So how um, was it? Unfortunately, the pandemic, yeah. Yeah, how was it? Now, as a third wave. Um, so, um, again, I guess there are advantages and disadvantages. So, I do miss the interaction with my colleagues, and some of them I've never met them physically. Yeah. And um, it's not really ideal to start at an institution without knowing. Well, yeah, personal contact is so so vital to relationships. Yeah, so that's that's quite um, quite a challenge. On the other hand, um, I do see the. Uh, advantages of the flexibility and also the, the fact that, um, yeah, 
you're basically not not bound to, to one particular place um, so but I, I would like to have actually a, a mix like a good balance at the moment the balance is really I agree <laughs> digitization yeah, sure um, and yeah since I mean I had been working on my PhD um, by myself more or less for now um, the number of years before I do look forward now to be integrated in the team once so you were basically in isolation before the isolation right <laughs> <laughs> yeah though there were physical conferences then and sure. other networking yeah. events definitely yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know when i'm trying to do a play on the word anyway of isolation and then working on a phd it's a big undertaking congratulations again on your phd Leonie. thank you very much i appreciate it uh, of course uh, abbas i know you're a specialist of digitalization now that we've been in this isolation and a pandemic and you're please tell us how you see uh, you know how we go forward of course in higher education and uh, what perspectives do you see for yourself of course personally and professionally yeah to be honest i don't like to applause those kind of conferences and so on with pessimistic uh, uh, no, uh, view. Sometimes, well, we sometimes we need to be pragmatic. Even high education, high education is uh, more bended on social science, and reflection is very, very important. It's, a, it's, it's not a product. It's not the uh, programmation or whatever machines. Uh, sure. But um, but um, um, digitalization in the future could be uh, 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 an issue for for the African uh, African uh, university, and African especially African university and African higher educations, because we we have now the ta tendency that uh, uh, that now is affordable uh, and it's easy to register. Um, uh, Leonie was talking about the visa issues, traveling issues, uh, resources. Now it's, it's it's becoming very easy to. I register to uh, uh, online to universities, the courses and the classes, and you can get your certificate. Uh, 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 and only the predominant, the one who has the technology, the one who started before, and so on, they will be dominating um, uh, the landscape of higher education. And I have the fear uh, that a lot of universities in Africa will be disappearing. Because uh, people will, if I give you a choice, or give choice to anyone, and I had did, I did this in a lot of conferences that I had, speaking with some uh, uh, African colleagues and telling and really uh, giving the argumentation about uh, identity in higher education and how to improve the higher education in Africa, and then in the end when I asked them, okay, what about your son? If you have the opportunity now and you have. A, uh, uh, Berkeley uh, uh, University as an open uh, university or uh, the University of Arusha or University of Algiers. So why are you going to choose if, if, if this affordable? And the, all of them were basically, a lot of them was uh, defending the idea of our identity. Well, a lot of them say, yeah, sure, of course. I mean, absurdity will be more if my son will be going to Berkeley Georgetown or MIT. So see how how the thinking wow. of the the human uh, is, and we need we need basically to um, deeply reflect on on, on that. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be like uh, uh, like uh, like uh, flying companies. You know, uh, uh, basically, you uh, you have uh, accident here and then. You will be routing you. you, you ATA, uh, you come inside on certain listing, uh, blacklisted, and then you cannot fly. You just fly within your country and it's it, you cannot go further. And then this is, this is my 
pessimistic uh, 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 view of, of the future when it comes to digitalization and high uh, and high education. I'm in a favor, as Leonie said. Uh, this balance uh, is very very important. African, as 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 I, I'm, I'm African, both African as well. We basically the human and the trust and meeting the people and so on is very very important to start whatever uh, project opportunities and uh, and so on. Um, this, I guess, my feeling from from the meeting that I had in the, in the past and so on. One of the good things that we didn't have a lot of issue with the technology. So connectivity is very good it was in the past always bad and uh, uh well right now i have uh, uh exchange with niger with benin with togo with ethiopia and, uh, 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 and a lot of kind it's working very very well so um there's no issue on on afra structure but i'm thinking more you know uh, on the fifth uh, uh, d- d- dimension and i'm really a little bit scared and i hope uh, uh that uh, uh that you know there is more dialogue on that and there is a more uh, more common understanding and more exchange there is a lot of to learn from africa the african continent is looking at a level of charity not charity it, it was always in the past sh- a charity we give you uh, this is the money and do this policy in this way and so on and i guess there's a lot of things to learn look just at you, you started in the beginning on climate change and so on there's a lot of things to to learn from the high education in africa really a lot uh leonie has the pleasure and um the opportunity to be there in africa and traveling now a lot in african continent and you will see that they will be building up her and knowledge and so on even she she were uh, she she uh, she graduated post graduated from a huge biggest famous university in europe and you see that if you are open for this charity uh, you will get a lot and maybe all of us um uh, 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 as a state of the United Nations, high education and ed- education is uh, a right to each one and everyone. And it's Fantastic. also the right that each one uh, and everyone to contribute to this world. Um, yeah I, that's fantastic that's really beautiful because i i, I was going to ask you about it and you, you partially answered so all this higher education institutions uh, learning sharing can be uh, can happen uh, how is the infrastructure because my experience has been that sometimes we didn't even have wi-fi you know in in some of these classrooms where i worked um how what has been your experience uh maybe i'll go back to leone uh, since you're in south africa how is the connectivity is the infrastructure supporting this beautiful dream of sharing and higher education in africa leone yeah uh, no i mean in according to my experience it definitely is i mean and anyone is connected via via smartphone these days so um that's i don't see as um, a big challenge however uh, I think one must be careful to not reduce digitization to technical <laughs> gadgets and <laughs> internet access because there's much more to that. And one of uh, the yeah challenges I, I see really worldwide is the lack of digitization of exactly. administration <laughs> <laughs> capacity uh, building needs which are not being addressed and um, it must also not be underestimated that um, now online teaching and in general learning requires certain skills from both yeah, lecturers and students which are not necessarily there and um, yeah there's little Excellent. time and also um, 
it's not only um, the case in Africa, but uh, for example, in, co- in contexts where um, you have mature students, they have um, obviously family uh, duties and oftentimes are working um, in parallel to studying. It's not very easy for them to um, to really um, follow up. But um, yeah, I would just like to uh, add that, um, for example, with regards to now higher education internationalization, which is um, a global trend. Um, there's now the policy of internationalization at home, meaning that there can be virtual mobility. That's great. Um, so I think that's a very interesting concept, um, where obviously now the yeah the digitization will um, hugely push and promote this um, by necessity. Maybe it, it should be beyond necessity. It should. Um, then uh, become more <clears throat> participatory rather than it is now. However, I would also say that um, there are just some experiences and personal development which cannot take place online. So it's really not the same whether you actually live in a country <laughs> or great. not. Yeah, that, that's good. And you're living it probably right now, right? Where you are. Definitely. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you so much for sharing your, your personal insights. Uh, maybe a last word from both of you, maybe with Abbas and then back to Leone to finish up. Abbas, a final word for this third segment uh, and final, close out our podcast. A final word, just giving uh, continuing uh, digitalizations. Um, uh, there is a need for the culture. I guess right now, yes, connectivity uh, right, is an issue somehow. But it wouldn't be an issue in in the future. There is um, a mobile G5 technologies coming. There is satellites uh, communication coming in the future and so on. There's a mega project from the World Bank, uh, the Moonshot pro- program, um, oh, I saw that, with yeah. 150 billion on connectivity in, in, wow. in Africa. So infrastructure will be not an issue in the future. It's the culture. And I do recall one time I did a training for lecturers in Laos. Uh, for three years ago and then i did uh i did a, a training on digitalization and learning management system e-learning and everyone was looking at me and saying what what are you doing there i mean we don't have even connective if we cannot even connect i can even not go to the web page to pull up or whatever but but i told them guys it's not about now the connectivity is coming this is business or uh, um, directed, oriented, and so on. Now it's about the culture. You have to prepare yourself. You have to adapt, adjust, and and, and, and assimilate to the culture culture of oh, digital learning and so on. And the next stage is coming um, anyhow. Um, was a pleasure so, for this exchange today. That, that, that's uh, wonderful. Thank you. I think that was a nice conclusion uh, to our podcast. Leonie, final word, please. Uh, the final word is just to um, yeah invite all uh, the interested audience to please um, yeah keep abreast of higher education in Africa and to remember that uh, the continent also includes North Africa. Okay, that's good. Well, we're going to be doing a second podcast in French on this same subject, and I we have a series of podcasts prepared. So thank you both so much, Dr. Abbas Sibihi and Leonie Sherlin. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.